This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, this is Jason Jackson, the television host and courtside reporter for the three-time NBA champion Miami Heat. Like me, you're listening to the Chick Brown Show. Got screwed by the refs. This is the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's Radio.com Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, rate us five stars, write a re- review while you're at it on the podcast section of your iPhone or head to iTunes, search the Jake Brown Show and find us there. Or get us on Spotify in the podcast section on Spotify as well. At Jake Brown Radio on Twitter. You follow the show at Jake Brown Show. Pat Antonetti behind the boards. The NBA season is underway tonight. The Cavs and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals rematch and possibly a Western Conference Final preview as the Warriors and the Rockets face off in the NBA season over. Doubleheader tonight. And this week, coming up on the show, joining us later in this program will be the Miami Heat. TV host, courtside reporter, been there for a while, over a decade, Jason Jackson at The Jack Show on Twitter to preview the season, to talk about the Heat, as the Heat had a great second half last year. Will they carry it over in a week, the week stern conference? Will they have a shot to maybe enter the top five? I have them a little close to there, and I'll give you my predictions a little later on, but he'll join us. And then later this week, Mike Carney, former Pro Bowl fullback, all-pro fullback, a lost position in the NFL, will join us. And also, Randy McMichael, the former tight end, calls himself the greatest tight end in Miami Dolphins history. And when you think about it, he's probably right. You look at his stats in Miami, and he was pretty good. He had one year, 73 catches. So it's not far-fetched to think that McMichael is the best tight end in Dolphins history. They haven't had a ton of good ones. So he might be the guy. He'll join us and Mike Carney. The, I said freestyle on the Facebook Live. I didn't end up freestyling. That B ended up being terrible, so we're not going to freestyle. Um, but the Jets were royally screwed, and you can maybe look at a rule. You can look at maybe the rule book that he did fumble at at one point. He ended in the pylon with the ball in his hands. That is not a fumble. And if there's a technicality there, it's a bunch of BS. You cannot look at the replay and overturn the original call of touchdown there. If the original call was touchback, it's different. But when the original call was a touchdown, there just was not enough evidence to say that that was a fumble in the end zone, Patriots ball. I mean, just absolutely ludicrous that they overturned that. I was shocked. I was on the road back from Virginia where I somehow left my bag and suit there because I didn't put it in my brother's car. One of the dumbest things ever. I mean, just stupidity on my part. But not as stupid as the refs. And, of course, it happens against the Patriots. Of course, it's the Patriots being the beneficiary. I'm not going to say it's cheating and screwed, but that is just an, is that kind of call would only happen favoring the Patriots. And even Pats fans are thinking, yeah, we you guys got screwed. Not saying the Jets would have won the game if that didn't happen, but think about it. They were down 10. That touchdown should have been touchdown. Would have made it a three-point game. The Jets would get the ball back and tack on a field goal. That field goal could have ended up tying the game. And then who knows? Maybe they win in overtime. Maybe it keeps going. Who knows what happens? But it changed the complexion of the game. It changed everything about the game. And the Jets did not really have a shot after that. 
They drove down the field, try to make it interesting. McCown, you got to credit him, has been solid and has been healthy all year. He's been playing. But the Jets just got a bad shake there. I mean, just really bad how that worked out. It's unfortunate because you think about it, and if everything goes the Jets' way there, maybe they win that game and they're 4-2. and two. And I think we're going to start to see the Jets come back down to earth here coming up. They'll face the Dolphins, who we talked about with Randy McMichael, are shocking the world after being the Falcons. They are 3-2. and two. They'll face the Dolphins on the road. And then Falcons, Bills, Bucks, Panthers, Chiefs, Broncos, Saints, Chargers, Patriots. The road does not get any easier for the Jets. The winnable games you look at are probably Dolphins, Bucks, Chargers. And even those are toss-ups. When you look at the Jets' remaining schedule, you can see them now going a potential 4-12. and 12. Maybe they win one more. But if the Jets play like the team that they are on paper, you can see a 4-12 and season here. A lot of people projected, I think I said either 2-14 and or 3-13. and You can see 3-13, and them losing out, potentially happening. But they were close. They were close against the Pats. They weren't close against the Raiders. They were okay against the Bills. And they won three straight against the Dolphins, Jags, and Browns. So maybe they do beat the Dolphins. Maybe they they are four and three. But I think we're gonna see them come down to earth. Although it, they have surprised us all. They really have. And uh, the Giants shocked us all as well. They beat the Broncos on the road, and they did it handily with Eli Manning. Didn't even play that great, but their defense was amazing. Giants defense was really good. Orleans Darko, who I picked up after I dropped Shane Vereen in one of my leagues, was really good. His best game. And the Giants are in the winning column without any receivers. Their top four receivers were out. Three of them out for the season. Sterling Shepard should be back soon. But the Giants said, "Um, hey guys, uh, we're going to not only cover that 13-point spread that everyone betted on the Denver Broncos, we're going to win the game. I would have not took the bet. I would not have said, listen, I don't like 13-point spreads. I hate them, actually. But, or double-digit spreads in general. I would not have took it anyway. But if you're a gambler, you say, you know what? The the Broncos are going to crush the Giants. The Giants, they're going to get blown out of the out of the water. And they, they go win. Doesn't mean much. Doesn't mean they're going to now go on a huge run. But it's nice to see them get in the winning column in a tough game that you would never expect them to win. But the Jets, as I was saying, Austin Safirian Jenkins lost the ball, got it back, gets to the end zone. I don't see... I understand the rule, but I don't see how the rule applies considering he regained possession when he fell. There just wasn't enough evidence for them to make that call. My God. That is, that's as bad as it gets. I mean, the replacement refs could have done a better job with that. RIP to the replacement refs. Pats are four and two, and they got they got a little lucky, but they pulled it off. And Brady was good, Gronk was good, and Pat's gonna pat. And uh, it's uh, it wasn't surprising to see them winning it in the least bit, even if it took a bad call. It was surprising to see Derrick Henry change odds and and change fantasy teams with a 75-yard run for a touchdown to end the game, basically, last night. In a seven-point game spread, I think it was seven and a half, the Titans get a touchdown from Henry. Got my brother to win in his fantasy league. Needed a Henry touchdown to prevail, and he got it on a ridiculous run. And Henry finished... With a nice line of 19 for 131 and a touchdown. A Mariota came alive in the third and fourth quarter. He finally came alive after it was a field goal fest. Field goal after field goal. Five field goals. And then finally they said, hey, we got two touchdowns. And then they get the garbage time touchdown to win 36-22. And now the Titans are 3-3. Three and three. 
and you knew they would win that. I think the Colts looked solid. Jacoby Brissett has proven that he can be a starting NFL quarterback. Doesn't have a ton of talent around him, but he's proven that he's a solid player. But I think the Colts are thinking we'd love Andrew Luck to come back when the AFC South is uh, the leaders are three and three. Titans three and three, Texans three and three, Jaguars three and three. So they're thinking to themselves, if we could get Andrew Luck back, we're not even out of it because the winner of this division might be eight games. Switching over to baseball. The New York Yankees win 8-1, to one, and they are still alive. And you knew if the Yankees were going to get it done, it was going to be Game 3, it was going to be Game 4. Facing McCullers today, facing Morton yesterday, now is the Yankees' chance to get back in this series. And their bats came to life last night. They got to Morton early, made it 4-0, and then Judge put the dagger in it. It was 5-0 after the wild pitch, and then Judge said, Good night to Houston. And that was it, 8 nothing, And then they go on to win 8-1 as Dellen Batanz's struggles continue with his command in the ninth inning. And he might not see another game in these playoffs the way Dellen Batanz's has pitched for the Yankees. It's almost like it's nips like Rick Ankeel had. He just cannot throw strikes. And you got to be worried about Batanz if you're a Yankee fan considering you pay him and, and he's supposed to be your closer setup man and he's neither. He's now a guy you bring in in garbage time. It's a blowout. We got horns honking nonstop outside right now. My goodness. Um, welcome to New York City. But the Yankees bats did what they needed to do. And we knew Keichel and Verlander would present them with challenges. And they did. And Keichel has a .8 ERA against the Yankees. They're going to have to face him in game five. And Verlander for game six. So if the Yankees want a shot here... This is a must-win game tonight. You lose tonight, you're forced to beat both Keichel and Verlander. You win tonight, you can afford a loss to one of the two. You could afford to lose game five in the Bronx, and then you got to win two on the road. You win against Verlander, and then you win against who? I guess it's all arms on deck. Maybe it's more for a couple innings. You're going to see Peacock maybe for game seven. I mean, I do think, though, that the Astros should throw out Keiko and Verlander 5 and 6 just because they should try and win this thing at 6. I do agree with that strategy. You can argue me and say maybe save them for a potential 6 and 7 at home, but I think Keiko is good enough where he should pitch Game 5 in the Bronx and try to try to take the Yankees out of this series or maybe end it. So this is big today. This is it. You got to beat McCullers. And Sonny Gray, you bring this guy in for one big reason, to win in October. He's been there before. He's been very inconsistent with the Yankees. But Sonny Gray has to instill himself in pinstripes with the Yankees. tonight. You got him to be a guy in October. You weren't sure what you were going to get out of Severino. You weren't sure if CC would be a shell of himself. CC Sabathia, in my opinion, has been so underappreciated with the Yankees. And he obviously signed a big deal. And most guys don't live up to big contracts. But I think Sabathia has lived up to it. He has pitched big in October. And I know last night was the only uh, October game he's had a shutout. He gave up zero runs. But I think he's been big for the Yankees in big moments. And he had a really good season this year. And I think Sabathia has earned that paycheck and that big contract with the Yankees. And I know the problems he had with alcoholism and all that. But he's overcome that. And he's come back and been terrific for the Yankees. He has been huge for this team this year. Huge. Huge. Look at his numbers this year. What was it, like 15-5? and five. The guy's 37, whatever, 38 years old. Sabathia has just been monumental for the Yankees. And if he can somehow lead this team here, speaking of monumental, he could see him in Monument Park. A bit of a stretch, but the guy is on the cusp of Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's there yet, 
But the 250 is the new 300 in baseball. 250 wins is the new 300. With the way guys just aren't pitching as long and bullpens blowing and bullpens becoming more important, winning game 250 is now the new 300 in this in this era. And CC is another year or two away from being a Hall of Famer. It's weird saying that because you think of him as a really good pitcher but a Hall of Fame pitcher, but he is very close to becoming a Hall of Fame pitcher with his success in October, with the longevity He's close. And if you said that to me two years ago, I'd call you crazy. But CC is another really good year away from possibly being a Hall of Famer. But tonight's the night for the Yanks. Can they beat Lance McCullers? You think they could. Sonny Gray has got to have his best outing as a Yankee tonight. And on the other side... Only fitting that it came on Kirk Gibson's anniversary. Only fitting that Justin Turner hit it. The Red Rocket. The former Met. Only fitting that Justin Turner has rewrote his career with the Dodgers and become one of the best hitters in baseball. The Mets said, nah, we're good. We're going to cut you. And you understand. You have right. You're thinking there's no spot for him. But my God, if Turner could have stayed and he could have become the new Mets third baseman. But he did it 19 years after Gibson. And Captain Kirk. You know he was smiling as Turner hit that walk up. And that fan caught it. And Zach Campbell overreacted. The stupid foul ball guy that I talked about last week. Got robbed of the homer by Aaron Judge. And I I just do not like Zach Campbell. He's always in the spot at the right time. And then he'll show off on Twitter about like donating balls to charity and stuff like that and raising money. I just don't like him. Zach Campbell's the guy that, I mean, you're not going to be friends with him. Like if you're friends with Zach Campbell, maybe it's just become because he's become more popular or maybe he get you free tickets or something. But I am not going to get beers with Zach Campbell. He just doesn't seem like the guy I want to get beers with. I'll learn about getting my head smooth and balls from someone else. I, I don't need to ask Zach Campbell. I don't need to ask Zach Campbell how he puts a Sharpie and a string in a glove to get balls and his whole strategy. I read his little book a while back. But now I've gotten older and I realize he sucks. But... People want to say the Dodgers, man, that that losing streak they had, it only made them better. This team is stacked. And already up 2-0, they're throwing you Darvish out tonight. Their game three starter is you Darvish, who won his first game, five innings pitch in the playoffs. And if you win it tonight, it's a wrap. The Cubs ain't come back from 3-0. So Kyle Hendricks, it's all on him tonight. But the Dodgers are stacked from A to Z, man. Even with Corey Seager gone, doesn't matter. Adrian Gonzalez gone. They have so many pieces on this team. In the bullpen, on the mound, and in the lineup. And the exuberance of Yasiel Puig and the energy that he provides is so big for this lineup. It's just so big. That spark that he provides and getting the crowd into it, getting the players into it. And you need that in October. You need that guy who's going to hype everyone up. And he's having fun out there. Tell him, call him a showboater, bat flipper, whatever you want. A team needs a personality like Puig come October. And he's the spark plug of the LA Dodgers. And we got a game four tonight in the Bronx. We got a game three at Wrigley. And I'd love to see the Cubs win one to make this thing interesting. Because they are returning home, and we're talking about the defending champs. Say what we want about the Dodgers, how great they are. These are the defending champs, and the Cubs are no scrubs. And you know, they know, this is a must win. And I think they have a shot to win tonight. But, man, the Dodgers seem to be the best team in baseball. And they look like they're going to win the World Series. I think for the best baseball, you want Astros-Dodgers World Series. 
for ratings, you're going to say you want Yankees, Dodgers, because you want L.A. and New York. You want a Hollywood version of New York. And let's not count these Yankees out. They came back from 2-0 in the ALDS. They're, they're a fun bunch. They're a rootable bunch. I've said it before. I just, just hate their fans, and I got to deal with Yankee fans all the time. And that's the part you hate, but the team is fun. They're a good cast of characters. And part of me wants them to win. More part of me wants them to lose. But part of me wants to see them come back and make this a series. I'm looking for good baseball. As much as I don't want the Yankees to win, I'd love to see both these go seven. And it'd be great for baseball. As a baseball fan, that's what you have to root for. And as good as the Astros are and how great of a season they had, the Yankees' comeback story is cool. It's it's a nice story. The youth, the exuberant, all this makes for storylines. And the industry that we're in, we're, we're made for storylines. We like stories. We don't want just results and games to happen and things to happen. You want stories. And it'll be a story if the Yankees go tonight, tie the series, and game five tomorrow. And it's it's crazy. Look at prices. Like, if I was in recording, I was considering going. Ticket prices were like $40 to get in the game tonight. $50. Yeah. Like, real cheap. Obviously, it's like grandstanding room and grandstand outfit, but 40 50 bucks to see ALCS game four. I mean, if those are the prices tomorrow, I might just go for 50 bucks. The question is here, what do I wear? What jersey do I wear my autographed Matt Harvey jersey to the Bronx in the ALCS? Like, what? I might just wear like a Knicks jersey, like just keep it neutral. Another sport. Tim Tebow jersey, maybe. Broncos jersey. But, like, I don't know. And, and like, if I go with a Yankee fan, do, I can't root for the Yankees. I think I just don't cheer either way. Part of me wants to cheer for the Astros. But Yankee fans are a vile bunch. And I, they, I might get beer thrown at me or something. They're like, oh, if I'm wearing Mets gear and I'm rooting for the Astros, something's going to happen. If I'm wearing Astros gear, it's whatever. They're like, hey. You're an Astros fan. Like, it's random. Like, we won't we won't hurt you. Listen, I'll, I'm not scared. I'll defend myself, whatever. But if I go, what do I do? That's tough. Because you got to wear gear. I can't just go, like, in a in a shirt. And maybe I just wear the taco hat. <laughs> Everyone loves tacos. No one's going to hate on me for wearing the taco hat. Although, I thought that the Fresno tacos were the... If the Fresno's tacos are the Astros organization... I'm 100% wearing the hat. I don't think they are, though. Let me just confirm. They are. The Fresno Grizzlies are the AAA affiliate of the Astros. I have a reason to wear the taco hat to the Bronx. Oh, I should have wore it today. Not that anybody has a clue that they're the AAA affiliate of the Astros. By the way, they were the tacos for just one game. So that taco thing... It should be their everyday name. It should be the Fresno Tacos. But they're in the Astros organization. So go Tacos, go Astros. That inspired me. Now I need to go because I have an affiliation with the team. Considering I have two taco ads. Now it's like you got to go. I think the Yankees are going to win tonight. I, I, I said before the series Astros in six. So I think Kike, it's, it stands. Keiko and Verlander will beat them again. But I think the Yankees even it up tonight. I think the Cubs win one tonight and make it 2-1. I think the Dodgers win that in six. And I think the Yankees win in, or Astros win in six. Something tells me the Yankees will win another tonight. But we'll see. This is the Jake Brown Show. CBS Radio's Radio.com Podcast Network. iTunes and Spotify. Before we get into our NBA preview, let's quickly go around the NFL Week six late. Hit me. Which one is this? This is This is a throwback here. This is the beginning? This is Oh the first one. Week six. I already went through some of the games. The Redskins get by the 49ers and the Redskins were my survivor pick. It got interesting. Bethard came in there and looked really good, and he's their new starter, as he should be. Brian Hoyer is one of the worst things to watch. Brian Hoyer 
is like watching the 400 pound girl dance on the dance floor. You don't want to see it. There's chicken legs and thighs shaking, and it's just things you'd rather not see. That's Brian Horror. Bether looks solid. Thank you, Redskins, for barely surviving that game and winning me my survivor. Redskins are 3-2, and two, and that division is going to be intriguing, especially if the Zeke suspension stands. Right now it stands, he's six-game suspension. But we don't know because there's so many different things going on that we just don't know. The Saints beat the Lions 52-38 in a just wild offensive battle. This game got interesting at one point. It was 31-41. Uh, I believe it was 41 to 10. Was it 40? It was 40. I think it was 45, 10, 41, 10, something like that. And the Lions made this thing interesting. They made it 45, 38, and then they threw a pick six, made it 52, 38, close it. But a wild shootout in the Saints out of nowhere after 0-2 start, won three straight. They're three and two. The Saints, as we said, with Mike Carney, are a weird team. We cannot define them. Probably not a playoff team, but that South is, is coming up for grabs in the NFC. We talked about the Patriots beating the Jets. The Vikings get by the Packers. The storyline of that game is Aaron Rodgers out for the season. Looks like he's going to have surgery. He's done, and they're going to trust Brent Hundley, man. They're going to trust the UCLA kid to do something. He's fast. He showed signs that he could be the starter, but with Brent Hundley... Do you go out and get another quarterback? I think you got to. Colin Kaepernick's obviously not happening. But the Packers are in deep doo-doo now. The Vikings at 4-2. and two. Case Keenum has looked better than everyone thought. And now Teddy Bridgewater is returning to practice. We might see Teddy Ballgame out there pretty damn soon. But the Packers at 4-2 and two are in a tough spot where, hey, we're still in a playoff race, but we lose our franchise player. What do we do? Case Keenum, got to give him credit. Jarek McKinnon, my God playing well out of the backfield, not only as a running back, but as a receiver. The Vikings are rolling under Case Keenum and they have a weird decision to break. Do they bring Bradford back when he's ready? Do they have Bridgewater back when they're ready? They have three quarterbacks and Case Keenum is winning the battle. If you told me that a couple weeks ago, I'd say you need to get psychiatric help. The Bears in overtime. Mitch, you son of a bitch. Wins his first game. The Bears get by the Ravens 27-24. And Trubisky does it in overtime. I like this kid. Didn't have a great game. 113 yards. You know who did? Jordan Howard. Thank you for the fantasy team. No touchdowns, though. But 36 for 167. You have got to be kidding me. Jordan Howard. The Browns. What do they do? They lose. They're the Browns. Of course they're going to lose. Deshaun Watson, order me the jersey now. I'm ordering it from China as we speak. The guy is a stud. Dominating the NFL. Running. Passing. What doesn't Deshaun Watson do? The Texans are winning that division. I said that before the season. And they're going to do it because they finally put Watson in. He should have started week one. They learned their lesson. He's incredible. He's lighting up the NFL. And I call that from day one. I don't care. I'm not taking credit for it. But I just love to see it because... He's a likable guy. Championship. Four years at school. Has more quarterbacks like Kai, as we talked about. With McMichael. Should have done it, man. He should have stayed. He was cut by the Panthers. And stay in school, kids. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. The Rams. 4-2. Beating the Jaguars. The Jaguars stink. And everyone stopped saying they're winning the division. Blake Bortles is still their quarterback. Blake Bortles is absolute trash. Leonard Fournette got hurt. You hope he's okay. But if they lose Fournette, they're 100% done. He is the heart and soul of that team. 21 for 130 on Sunday. But Todd Gurley was right there with him, 116. And Jared Goff didn't have a great game, but the defense did enough. The Rams win. The Rams are 4-2. Will they win that division? It's up for grabs. Seahawks offense has not been good. Cardinals, though, are, are getting back in there, and the Cardinals, that leads me to their win, 38-33. Score's not indicative, truly, of how good the Cardinals play. The Bucks scored 27 fourth-quarter points and had some Fitz magic go on. Besides them throwing two picks, made it interesting, but Adrian Peterson was the story. 26 for 134, two touchdowns, and Larry Fitz. We got the AARP AAA All-Stars. Palmer, Peterson, Fitzgerald. PPF, CAL, 
Carson, Adrian, Larry. The old men getting it done. And Adrian Peterson just needed carries. He needed to change the scenery. And he showed us that he still got it. We'll see if he could carry this into next week. But the Cardinals pick up a win, and now they're 3-3. Three and three. And that could be a huge change in their season, getting a power running back. If Peterson could be the Peterson of old, the Cardinals could have a shot to win this division as well. The Steelers squeezed by the Chiefs 19-13. The Chiefs' offense was stagnant all day. Alex Smith did almost nothing. And the Steelers get by, and the Chiefs with their first loss of the season. There is now no undefeated teams left in the NFL. The Chiefs fall to 5-1. Kind of a boring game, a defensive battle, a sloppy game. But Le'Veon Bell, 32 for 179. The guy is incredible. Antonio, 8 for 155. Antonio Brown is the best receiver in the NFL. And I'm not even going to argue about it. He's better than Julio Jones. He's the best. That's it. Antonio Brown. Welcome. Meet the Browns. Chargers get by the Raiders, 17-16. Missed extra point by our guy, Trevecchio. I love his name. The Italian Raiders kicker. But a missed extra point is going to come back and bite you, and it did. And the Chargers got a new kicker. We got a belly belly icker. They went 17-16. They won two straight. The Chargers had a couple games they lost by three or less. Now they're finally closing out these these tight games. And they're 2-4. and four. Raiders fall to 2-4. and four. That's been a big story. Derek Carr didn't look good. It looked like he came back from the injury too early. And you worry about the Raiders here. Four straight losses. They've fallen down to earth. And they got to be careful because there might not be a spot in the AFC for them to even make the playoffs if they play like this trash. We talked about the Giants. They shocked the world with the 23-10 win. The Eagles beat the Panthers on Thursday night. The Eagles are 5-1. They're right there as the best team in football. If you told me that before the season, i call you crazy. But you Eagles fans, rejoice. You're playing well. Just don't think this team's going to go 13-3. They're going to lose a couple here. But Carson Wentz is the real deal, man. And this guy is taking the next step. And now he's got Alshon Jeffrey on board. He's got Nelson Aguador playing well. He's got LeGarrette Blount in the backfield. Watch out for the Eagles. Not a 13-3 team, but could be 11-5. If lucky, if healthy, 12-4. That is your week in the NFL. A good week in the NFL. But we have about 10 to 15 minutes left before we hand it off to Jason Jackson, Miami Heat, courtside reporter, Heat host, Sirius XM host. So before we get to Jason, we will close the first half of the show with our 2017, 2018 Jake Brown show, NBA season preview. Hit me with that NBA on NBC. Tonight, it all begins as the Cavaliers face the Celtics in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, baby. A rematch of the conference finals and a preview of what will be, obviously, this year's conference finals. So that starts me in the Eastern Conference. My 1 through 16 in the East. First off, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're too deep. When Isaiah Thomas is healthy, they're, I mean, their roster is just absurd. That as much as I want to pick the Celtics, now with Kyrie Irving, you can't. And when Isaiah's back, Isaiah, Rose is back up. Dwayne Wade, J.R. Smith, Iman, LeBron, Corver, Crowder, Fry, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson. Can't even forget Jeff Green, Jose Calderon. This team from 1 to 14 and 15 is stacked. Jose Calderon is their third point guard. Right now, second until Thomas gets back. But this is a guy who's a former all-star. I mean, Jose Calderon is your third point guard. Obviously not as good as he used to be. But this Cavs team is stacked. They're going to win the East. They're the number one. Two is Celtics for obvious reasons. These are the top two. They bring in Kyrie Irving. They gave up a lot to get him. A fair deal for both sides. Kyrie's the future. But don't forget Gordon Hayward coming to the Weekstern Conference where he will dominate Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford as the Celtics as number two and making that East Finals potentially a seven-game series. Number three, 
is the Wizards. The Wizards took a big leap last year, came very close to going pretty deep in the Eastern Conference Finals. And John Wall, man, he's a star. And if he could just start making three-point, if he could start making shots from deep, which he couldn't do when they needed him to last year, they're going to be good. And obviously you have Jody Meeks now there, Wall, Beal, Porter, Oubre. My only concern is that power forward for the Wizards, Jason Smith blows. And they have Marquise Morris as well. But that will be the concern. They're bringing Mike Scott as well and Morrissey Gartat. The Wizards are pretty much, I wouldn't say clear cut, but should be the number three in the Eastern Conference. Number four, the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are always there. They still have Kyle Lowry. They're not going to do jack-ish in the playoffs. But they have Serge Ibaka. They can shoot the ball with DeMar DeRozan and C.J. Miles. And they got the big fella, Vanal Sunis, in the paint. I say the Raptors are the four, but, I mean, they're not the sexy team. A sexy team, I'd say, is the Bucks, who are I have at the five seed in the Eastern Conference. Giannis is an MVP candidate this year. If Thon Maker could do anything at center, if he could improve, they're dangerous. They have Greg Monroe. You have Chris Middleton. And you have Malcolm Brogdon, who people really love. And this guy is ready to take that next step at point guard. And pair him with some decent guys. And Deli off the bench. And Mirza Toledovic, one of my favorites. And I, I hear they have some guy named Jabari Parker. The question is, when will he return? Can he come back on playoff time? They're saying February to be safe. But if he's back, we'll see. Jabari Parker for the second half of the Bucks season will be interesting to watch. Number six, the Miami Heat. We talked with Jason Jackson about it. I'm not going to go deep preview. He'll do that. But the Heat had a huge second half last year. I think they'll carry it over, and I think the East is weak enough where they could be sixth. And I and I predicted Courtney Lee will end up being a member of the Miami Heat. Just a hunch, just a guess if they'll pick up his contract. Number seven, the Charlotte Hornets. And that'll be contingent on Dwight Howard kind of renewing his career there and kind of having himself be the face of the post for the Hornets. Also, Malik Monk, watch out. A Rookie of the Year candidate if he gets enough minutes. I don't think he'll win it, but Malik Monk is going to be interesting to watch as shooting guard. He's only got Jeremy Lamb alongside him, really, and Batum. But, I mean, this team has depth. Marvin Williams, Dwight Howard, Kid Gilchrist, Lamb, Monk, Batum, Kemba Walker, and Mike Carter-Williams. They have a solid roster that I don't see them missing the playoff. Down in Bowtime, Charlotte, 8C. The Sixers... If all is right, if all is healthy, if Embiid is healthy, Simmons, the Sixers are going to sneak into the playoffs. And a lot of people are saying, I'm going to jump on the train, man. If healthy, Embiid, the feds are out. Simmons, Embiid, Fultz, and Sarich. We'll see. But I think this is the year the Sixers could sneak in with only 38 wins. Might get, get the job done. I got the Sixers at 8. They might be in a tire right outside looking there is the Pistons. 10 Pacers, 11 Magic, 12 the Knicks. I'll be covering the Knicks all season for the Knicks blog. Check them out at theknicksblog.com. But the Knicks just can't play defense. I said on there they will rank as the worst defense in the NBA. And you need defense to win in the NBA. The Knicks are number 12. I think they will be the fifth worst team in the NBA. They don't have a problem scoring. But they're going to give up more points than they score. The Nets will be right below. Pat likes to think the Nets can win 30 to 35 games. I just don't think they're that good. I do think they have some fun pieces to watch, but eventually that will wear out and they'll realize DeMar Carroll isn't the second coming of Jesus. So they're hoping for DeMar Carroll to be something special. I think D'Angelo Russell has a very good chance to win most improved player, uh, but I, I just don't think the Nets' depth is good enough to be... Very good. At the bottom, the Hawks, 14 and 15, the Bulls. The Bulls traded away everything. They're a rebuilding team now, and they cut Wade. Uh, it's weird to see the Bulls as the worst team in the East, but there is a high possibility that happens. Cavs, Celtics, Wizards, Raptors, Bucks, Heat, Hornets, Sixers make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Going over to the West, the Warriors are the one. And that's clear cut. That's obvious. I don't need to say much more than that. They got the big four. They got Kevin Durant, 
Steph Curry, Draymond. I mean, I don't even need to tell you what their roster is. The Warriors could win 70 games again. They won, I think, 67 last year. They're the number one seed. Say what you want about the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Thunder. The Warriors are the one. Number two, I'll put the Rockets in there. They got Chris Paul. They got James Harden. They have a lot of points. They might score 130. The question is, how will they play defense? I think it'll be good enough to win them like 55 to 57 games, potentially. Rockets at two. Three, Spurs. Spurs are still the Spurs, man. And they still have LaMarcus Aldridge. You still have Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili, Pau Gasol, Kawhi Leonard. Don't forget Rudy Gay. They added Rudy Gay, which was a huge addition. I think they're going to be right there at the Rockets of the two. I think they'll just be behind. Maybe Natar, maybe a game behind. Three Spurs, four Thunder. You add Carmelo Anthony, and on paper, it's a superstar squad. And I think it'll work because... These guys know they got to cut some shots. They know who they are. They know what point they're at in their career. And I think they'll make it work. I mean, that roster is not too deep, but it's talented enough to be the four. The five, this is where things get interesting. The Minnesota Timberwolves, after that trade that they made to get Jimmy Butler, that a lot of people labeled as a steal, I think this is the year the Timberwolves progress. I think Wiggins gets better. I think Carl Anthony Towns becomes a star. Don't forget they add a veteran in Jamal Crawford. And they add Jeff Teague. Teague, Butler, Crawford, Wiggins, Taj Gibson, and Carl Towns. That's a playoff team. That's a team that it would be a shock if they missed the playoffs. So I have them at five. I have the Clippers still in there at six. The Clippers didn't lost Chris Paul, but they got back a ton of players, and they still have DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. So don't think the Clippers are going to be terrible now. Don't forget, Danilo Gallinari is now a Clipper as well. So replacing Paul with Gallinari isn't replacing, I mean, it's not replacing a celery stick with a chicken finger, which is the ultimate replacement. But it's still a solid replacement. I don't know where that analogy came from. A little bizarre. But the Clippers still have enough talent to be in the playoffs. They'll be the sixth. The seven. The Denver Nuggets will be the seventh seed. I think the Nuggets progressed in the offseason despite losing. Gallinari, you bring in Paul Millsap, who's a very nice player. And you have Millsap and Kenneth Fareed along with Jokic. That's a solid front court. And Gary Harris just got paid. It's not Friday night, but he just got paid. And Moutier, look for him to finally take a next step. If he can play some defense and be a little more consistent on offense, Nuggets are pretty good. They're the seven, the eight. It's Damian Lillard. He's a ra- he's not just a rapper, guys. He's an all-star point guard. I think this the Blazers sneaking as the AC right in front of the Jazz. Probably a couple games over 500. The Blazers are eight. Outside looking in, the Jazz are nine. You lose Gordon Hayward. I mean, you lose that kind of caliber player. It's hard to make up. The Jazz might be 500 team, but they'll just miss out. The Pelicans will also just miss out at 10. The Grizzlies got a lot worse. They're 11. They lose Zach Randolph, obviously. The Grizzlies just aren't the same. The Mavericks, they're a young rebuilding team. They're 12, 13. The Kings, another young rebuilding team who I think will be fun to watch, but not good enough. They'll be 13. The Lakers will be another team fun to watch. Part of me wants to meet it, pick them higher, but I just think the youth there is going to be a lot to overcome. The Lakers, 14, and the Suns, 15. So I think the worst teams in the NBA will go one Suns, two Bulls, three Hawks, four Nets, five Knicks. In the West, Warriors, Rockets, Spurs, Thunder, Timberwolves, Clippers, Nuggets, Blazers are your playoff teams. And in the NBA playoffs, I hate to go. I hate to go with the chalk, but I'm going Warriors over Cavs once again. And I, I hate to sound cliche, but it's the NBA, and we know what's going to happen. The Cavs are too deep. The Warriors are too deep. And remember, Swaggy P's on the Warriors now gives them a little more depth to what they already had. These are the two clear-cut best teams in the league, and I don't see it changing. Warriors over Cavs in the NBA Finals. They are your 2017-2018 NBA season predictions on the Jake Brown Show. You hate to go chalk, man, but the, I mean that's what the NBA is. As much as I want to pick the Celtics, as much as I want to say Chris Paul's going to lead the Rockets, the Rockets' depth isn't there. And the Celtics' depth isn't there to contend with the two big boys. 
when it all comes down to it. Sure, it might be a six, seven game series in the conference finals, but the best teams will materialize. And Cavs Warriors, I think this year will be maybe even better. I think it goes seven, and I think that's because the Cavs add a lot of depth. And one of those guys, Dwayne Wade. I mean, we're looking at Dwayne Wade as like their their third, fourth guy. That's scary, considering the guy can still score and played well enough last year to show you that he can still be a solid guard. Jason Jackson will come up next to preview the Heat, preview the NBA. Mike Carney, former NFL fullback, joins us this week. Former Pro Bowler Randy McMichael, the best tight end in Dolphins history, will join us this week as well. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and on Spotify. I'm going to head out and go watch this Yankees-Astros game. Enjoy Jason Jackson. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Jake Brown Show. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back on the Jake Brown Show as we preview the NBA season. It's finally here. The drama-filled offseason is over. Carmelo Anthony's traded. Uh, LeBron and Wade are reunited. And a guy who knows something about LeBron and Wade being reunited uh, is the man on the line with us now, Jason Jackson, at the Jack Show on Twitter. The Miami Heat TV host, courtside reporter. Been there for 14 years, Jason. You're getting old, man. Uh, you can tell by the hair I no longer have. <laughs> and, and and this Wade and James gentleman, it's talking about, do they still play basketball? Still, uh, I, I hear they play in, in, in some city in, in Ohio. <laughs> um, you know, it's a difficult, the most difficult thing being a heat employee, a happy, very settled heat employee mm-hmm. who is from the great state of Ohio, who spent the winter's of 75 to 85 in Cleveland, Ohio, it's a very, very thin rope that I walk upon when we touch upon this subject. Just know. Well, I mean, what was your initial reaction when uh, when you heard the news? Uh, Dwayne has rendered me numb. I try not to get emotional about it anymore. I, I have no more tears. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've become emotionless. Eventually, Dwayne Wade will find his way back to 601 Biscayne. And I'll be there when he gets there. And I don't mean just coming for a road game. This story's going to end properly. and You can gallivant about the country, or should I say gallivant around the Central Division, uh, as he chooses. He's earned that. And uh, I'll be here when he gets back with a big old hug, and hopefully he'll play some minutes, and then we'll hoist a number three up into the ceiling. Um, do you think it's the right decision for him? I mean, he, he joins a, a guy that he's friends with. He joins a roster that is stacked uh, really from 1 to 15. Uh, what do you see his role being? Is he still a star in that lineup? Well, they left a team that's going to struggle to win 20 games to mm-hmm. the ball club that's going to win somewhere between 50 and 60 games. They'll be the one or two seed. They're probably going to play for the NBA title. And he's rich. Mm-hmm. It's a really good life. Questionable hairstyle choices <laughs> for Mr. Wade right now. But it, we, we all do what we can to stay young. And he's probably mocking LeBron by growing his hair any way he wants to. So it's this weird little dosy do in their friendship. In all seriousness, it's the best basketball decision from a what-can-I-get-done-right-now standpoint. Uh, he would have been welcomed home like the prodigal son uh, a hero's parade if he came back to Miami, uh, if it was you know another one of the contending locations, you'd understand that as well. Mm-hmm. But you can understand how Heat Nation may feel about this right now. And I don't know if it tarnishes his legacy at all. I think there's still, a, you know, like I said, a, a banner going up. Might be the first bronze statue that goes up uh, at 601 Biscayne in Miami outside American Airlines Arena. I, I don't know what's planned for the future. I've been trying to push like a little Miami Heat Hall of Fame, so we'll see if we can get that squared away. But it's going to be uh, fun to watch them combine, probably a little less uh, tug of war in the sense of 
what they want to accomplish on the floor, uh, and maybe according to the things that we've now learned about the way Kyrie and, and LeBron were dealing with some things at the end, I guess unbeknownst to LeBron <laughs> until the very end. But um, I, I don't see there's anything negative for him whatsoever. Yeah, and that, that was a whole uh, a big part of the drama-filled off season, And uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say the Heat Nation will not be cheering on uh, that team in Cleveland because uh, – I, I can't see that you guys wanting them to do too well, having to deal with them hosting up another trophy uh, in another city, right? Here's what I know. Heat Nation would love a second-round matchup. Yep. They'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. First round means the team didn't do as well as everybody wanted them to. That's why I'm going ahead and tossing around that second-round dynamic. And, I, and actually, I believe that's actually not a terrible, realistic goal for this ball club. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're – the team that won 30 of the last 41 games next year. I, I'm with, you know, Shane Battier and Pat Riley, executives inside the Miami Heat organization, who are using the word new. That's kind of the word buzzing around Miami Heat uh, land is new. Is that that was then, this is now, and there's a new opportunity. It's a new season. There's um, an opportunity for breakthroughs from good to great for guys like uh, Goran Dragic and Deion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside and maybe some of our young players move into that space where you know they move from developing a good young player to really good NBA veteran. Uh, there's just so much room and new additions of Bam Adebayo from the draft and Kelly Olenek from the free agent signing. It's a neat, different group. And think about the heat. They're going against the grain. You know, they got all these big guys now standing around. It'll be fun watching that brand of basketball again. And it'll be fun watching Whiteside go up against Joel Embiid in the regular season after the Twitter war that they had, uh, obviously talking some smack, calling him softy. Uh, funny joke my dad used to say, actually. He said, you know why uh, uh, Dairy Queen couldn't get pregnant from Mr. Softy? Was it just, something like that was a joke. Yeah, it was uh, special. No, I had a little salt on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have the Heat as a sick, the sixth seed in the East. I think the, the second half will carry over, and I think the East is wide open uh is there a prediction you have on the season i try i got away from that years ago because i'm terrible at it and i mm-hmm. like to be good at things and so <laughs> i'll tell you this the east is wide open from three through eight mm-hmm. and I, that's no disrespect to washington or toronto it's just i i feel really strongly about you know miami and charlotte uh, I, I really think milwaukee's always some a ball club everybody sort of forgets about um, who's the next team that's going to make the push up? Is Philly really going to do it? Are they going to be healthy enough to to, to earn all this national attention they're getting? Because they have a lot of young players who, you know, were stars at the college level, but you know haven't really showed us that that bright shining star yet at the NBA level. Due mostly to health, um, so it, it's it's going to be fun watching ball clubs push and try to make something happen. So we'll see. How do you see the small forward position playing out with Magruder and Winslow? I mean, who who gets the majority of the minutes? If they split time, how's that going to work? I think what you're going to see there is a little bit of a surprise. I think Josh Richardson might end up playing more time there hmm. as a starter than anybody. Um, he's sneaky long, defensive mentality, so you know Spo loves that. And uh, he's really worked, worked at making sure that he is a reliable offensive player. Um, I don't, you know, this ball club doesn't need him to score 20 points, but man, he pops out there scoring 12 and 15 on the regular. I mean, now we're talking about an offense that's got some some firepower and pop. I, I think, you know, Magruder's uh, done for a little while. He's out in, indefinitely because of the uh, the injury uh, in the preseason, and so now we see an opportunity for either Richardson or Winslow to go grab that thing and hold on to it. I, I think the early lead goes to Richardson, and then. Uh, We'll see exactly how this second team, who all has starter-caliber players available now, uh, you know, rolls out over the first couple months. And I think, in my opinion, um, I think at some point, if the Heat will do it, Courtney Lee will get traded to the Heat uh, before Ooh, the look trade at you deadline. making things happen. I, I just, just think... Look at you making that man put his winter coat down. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think, one, Courtney Lee's been at seven teams in nine seasons. Two, the Knicks have <laughs> Damian Dotson, who looks like the real deal. Um, just coming from New York, I just watching him play. The kid is, is a young Iman Shumpert. Um, and I think Lee, if the Heat will take on the $12 million a year, 
it makes sense because small forward, I think, is their weak spot right now. And you throw him with Richardson out there, you got a three-point shooter, and the Heat will be a very interesting team. Do you think Justice Winslow takes that next step? Uh, he was a little inconsistent so far, uh, but I think, in your opinion, do you think he takes the next step this year? Last year was a lost season due to the body, just mm-hmm. not you know, being on his side. And I think that he's done the work to make sure – uh, that he's on the floor and, and sustaining a uh, full season. And, and I'm, I don't think he's injury-prone. He's built like a freaking Greek Adonis. He's uh, 21 years old. I worked on his jump shot. has a lot more arc on it. Uh, he is a impact, a winning impact player because he's so committed to rebounding and defense. And I think the offense comes to him in a better place and space when he is allowed to create uh, from the defensive end to the offensive end. So he's this really big player who's really sturdy defensively and on the boards, but once he gets that board, he can push it up and run offense. And, and Spolstra loves that versatile, he likes to call it the Swiss Army Knife-style player. And so he's in the right place. The belief is in him. He's got the confidence. He admits he's going to be a little uh, you know, a little butterfly-bellied you know, on Wednesday night, probably again on Saturday night in the home opener. Hassan Whiteside at 17-14-2. Can the guy get any better from last season? He better. The team needs him to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the numbers need to be for him to take that next step, but he is the all-star caliber player. He is a defensive player of the year caliber player, first-team all-defense caliber player, an all-NBA caliber player. For people to really buy in, he might have to be around 20-10 and 10 with 3-4 blocks tonight, but he can do that. Uh, the thing that I've loved about Hassan is the continued commitment to growth. Uh, he, he is truly still going to let you know his emotional status every second of every minute. <laughs> that's that's going to happen. And that's who he is. He wears all the emotions out for everybody to see. I don't think it deters his play much anymore. And uh, that's a credit to him and uh, Heat assistant coach Juwan Howard and Coach Bolster just continuing to allow for, for goodness and growth. And, and that's, you know, expected, I think. You know, it's not still a young player when you talk about, you know, games played in the league and so he's at that point now where he does need to make that statement about who which group he belongs in and i think he's motivated and dedicated to being one of the top players in the game and just has to be more consistent night in night out for the rest of uh the nba universe to recognize but listen let me know who let me tell you who knows the 29 coaching staffs that have to scheme for him every single night there's not a lot of seven-foot guys who play old-school rim-protecting, rebounding first, and can score with great hands and have have a little wet jimmy anymore. (laughs) And so it is a unique task for every head coach every night. Just ask them uh, when they're game planning for number 21. And we'll see. We know Khaled last year gave him plenty of keys to success and major keys. We know he was hanging around on on Snapchat. You could tell Khaled and uh, Hassan were boys. Uh, before before we let you go, they I'm, are the best. Yeah, I mean, we the best, of course. And yes, going to the West Side, how do you see that playing out? Is it Warriors or bust? Do you think the Rockets now have a shot? The Thunder in there? Who do you think's coming out of there? Just because I wanted to be different on, on my radio show on Sirius XM. NBA radio. I picked the Rockets. Hmm. Like if the Rockets, if the Rockets got their act together, um, I, I think that they have, you know, the experience. Obviously, taking that step forward, and, and then now the firepower and setup. Now the Thunder are going to cause for some concern because they actually may win the division. Would that be crazy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but the thing that I think that's most important is health, and that's what you can't predict. And then the next thing for the Warriors is maintaining, and they've showed us they can, uh, intensity during the regular season. So it's, it's important that we realize those are human beings and that it's really hard to keep cranking out 65, 70 wins a year. So if that's our measure for them to get there, that's a tough one. I got, you know, they're in the conference finals. Let's not be ridiculous. Um, and, and they have so much firepower. They could probably even – endure one of their top all-stars getting injured and still make their way. Mm-hmm. But um, the hardest thing to do is to, re- is to win a title. But one thing that might be harder than that is repeating. And uh, they will not be immune to that difficulty.
Well, I like that pick of the Rockets, and they might score 130. The question is, will they give up 131? Mercer, they got to play a little night. D, just yeah. a little. Come on, team defense. Let's yeah. get it. And then uh, we'll see how that pairs out. Do you, last one. Do you think the Do you think Celtics uh, Cavs is a, is a seven game series this year with Kyrie switching over? I'm not willing to give either one like their spot yet. I'm mm-hmm. not willing. I mean, that's that's what we all know. Mm-hmm. I think Washington is an opportunity. Mm-hmm to change, to muck up the works with the seeds. I really do. They were a game away from having the best record in nearly 40 years last year uh, for the franchise. And John Wolves got MVP trophy desires gleaning in his eye already. So I even think they take a step forward. Uh, you know, in the end, I mean, let's not be ridiculous. We had to throw some change on it. Uh, you, you go, you're going to go with those two ball clubs. But what, what a beautiful, true, full, emotional uh, <laughs> run that would be, and then we get it, and we get it right off the bat. That, I mean, that's just yeah. Turner being lucky, not good, right there. But uh, it's it's real, it's absolutely real, and there's going to be, you know, I don't think that that becomes physical and raucous. I just know that, that those games will have an intensity that already was there. And then you got you know cats trading sides. That's going to be a whole other level of it, uh, of focus and impact. Yeah, the NBA setting it up bright and early. To open the season tonight, Jason Jackson, The Jack Show on Twitter. You catch him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. And, of course, the Miami Heat TV and courtside. He's all over the place. Enjoy your 30-minute flight and uh, don't have too many cocktails on that 30-minute ride, Jason. Come on, man. I don't even know where they hide it. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on, man. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.